Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo Dekeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Hartnell. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's Thursday, and we're recording. I'm Dave DeFore, and that means it's Nerder, she wrote. Joining me, as they do almost every week, my main man, Mo DeKeel. What's up, Mo? What's up, Dave? How we doing? Uh, not too bad. And then we got Seth Part now, who we just got a little warmed up before the show. I'm enjoying this because we were there were some angry Mo and some angry Dave, but then the lights start, the camera, the, the, the mics start rolling, and, and then all of a sudden it's just big, big, cheesy smile. So good job. Well, we that's, that's, that's it, it is. We're not it angry on. with each other. We we're, were angry together. We're professionals. That's yes. what it is. Is uh, turn on the lights and everything changes, my friend. Yeah, we were angry together too. Like we're joining forces here against Which is the, rare. the pettier <laughs> nature of. Uh, Let's just say basketball media in general, which we're not going to get into because that's pretty boring to talk about. Um, guys, the playoffs in full swing, the conference finals. Uh, I don't know. Are they compelling? The basketball is pretty good, but um, there's a lot of blowouts, guys. Is this just the world we live in? Can we not have close basketball games anymore? Well, Seth, you wrote about it at yeah. The Athletic. So is this think, just is this this is basketball, right? Um, I think it's there's a few things going on. First of all, yes, there have been more blowouts this year in the playoffs than, than if we were you know define it as twenty points or more. Yes, there there have been more. Some of that is like the league pays faster than it used to, so it's like the same gap between the teams. Just over two more possessions a quarter, you get a bigger margin. So if you look at it that way, it's you know it's it's high, but on on the same level as kind of. Some of the least competitive players we're seeing. That's that. That's you know, doesn't help. It's like okay, we still aren't getting. We still haven't seen crunch time in like two weeks. Um, so that's that. that that's part of it. Um, this year is unusual that way. I think uh, this part of why this year is unusual is like the shooting swinginess in the playoffs has just been massively higher than even it was in the regular season. Like we're already seeing more swings based just on volume of three point shooting, but then that it's even another you know ten percent on top of what. We saw during the season uh in the playoffs and you know you see it last night the heat go was it seven of 44 in, in competitive portions of the games oh of 23 on on semi-contested threes which the league as a whole shoots 34 percent on um yeah and then games like that or you have games like you know where where like there's been a, been seven or eight blowouts where like i think the eight largest blowouts of the playoffs i think the winning team has has collectively shot just under 50%. I think it's like they're something like 130 of 262 
in those eight in those eight largest blowouts. So yeah, a lot of it is is make or miss league, and if you're taking forty threes a game and you make fifty percent of them, that's a lot of points. When you go twenty of forty like Boston yeah. did in 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 game two against Miami, you you tend to win those games yes, from three. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> so, you know, you're, if you start, you know, what kind of offensive rating are you going to start? Are you going to have if you start with half of your possessions with a one fifty offensive rating? It's pretty hard for to not be in like the one thirties, and you're going to win some games by a lot if you put up a you know one point three points per possession over a game. So, I, more possessions and just more threes in general. I mean, what about like long rebounds? And it just seems like I don't, the, the modern game is just so different that it is it is going to be this way. Mo, is there some way to like swing it back? Or is it just this is just what we've got? I'm not ready to be like, this is the new NBA playoffs and da da da. Like, you know, we had good playoff games last year. Like we had really, you know, I mean, I think there's still a lot more throw out the bubble because of extreme circumstances, but even the year before, right? Like during the Toronto run, we had really good playoff games and a lot of exciting ones and things like that. I just think we're going to have a year every now and then where it's absurd. And it, part of this too is look at who's on the floor for some of these teams, you know, injuries are playing a role. And I think that's something like Miami, and this isn't a shot at those guys, but Gabe Vincent's playing heavy minutes because Lowry's banged up and heroes out. Um, you have Max Drews, who's obviously struggling after having an unbelievable regular season, struggling in the playoffs. I think you're 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 looking at some of these guys you have on the floor, and it's like, yeah, some of these dudes probably wouldn't be playing in a regular situation, you know. And I think that's the a regular playoff team and a a a, a more deeper team, so to speak. So I think there's some of that as well. I think is is part of it, and. You know, I mean, there's no way to contend. There's no argument in the, yeah, three-point shooting has swung this a big way. I just don't think we're at the point where it's like, we're never going to get close playoff basketball again, guys. It's all over. So I think there's two things going on here. One, I think you're, you're pointing out that like injuries are always a factor. I think it's, it's uh, there's not really a good way to test this, but it seems like, okay, if Kyle Lowry's banged up, Chris Middleton is banged up, or... or you know, Jason Tatum had the shoulder. Like, we're teams playing against good defensive teams without their like best half court creator, and we're seeing these games where teams are averaging like, you know, 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7 points per half court chance, which is you know, that's over. That's basically works out to like five points less a quarter, give or take, from, from average. If you, if you know, you're, that's that's part of it. Um, the other part is again, like the, the three point shooting in these playoffs has been extremely widely variable and almost the entirety of the sort of quote unquote extra blowouts uh, are, you could almost say are attributable to that. So I think that are we going to continue? Is there something about playoff basketball that's going to lend itself to extreme shooting variants in the future? Uh, last two seasons, we've seen it, but like two, is two seasons a, a forever trend or has it just kind of happened twice? And, you know, just to go back to Mo's point, right, from a coaching perspective, one of the things that you can do to make up for a lack of talent is have your more talented players leverage their talent and gravity to create open looks for your role players, which, by the way, it's an easier shot for them to shoot the three. And shooting more threes when you don't have the offensive talent, again, it's an, it's the variance. It gives yourself, it gives you a chance 
to maybe overcome that talent gap? I mean, the 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 question I actually have, and it kind of ties to what you were saying a little bit, Dave, is how much of this also is teams knowing this team plays defense this way, these shots are going to be here, these are the spots we need to go to get those shots. Like, I'd be curious to see the number and, and you know, um, I, I I should do the research on it, but I'm just going to assign this to Seth. Um, the uh, team's getting more open shots throughout the playoffs versus the regular season because they know how defenses attack. And from that, they know where they can attack, where they can go offensively to get those shots. They know, hey, this team, we've played them for the, the regular season. We've scouted them. Now we're ready to go. We know that they're going to give up corner threes off of this action because these guys are going to be the ones to pull in and so on and and stuff like that. I'd be curious to I'd be curious to see that number. I don't know if you have that on on I, hand, I, but I, I I haven't looked that up specifically. My you know from having been looking at it for a lot of the playoffs, it doesn't seem like there's there's a ton more like like that that balance has shifted. And really, th- this is interesting because this is the way the conversation seems to go. It's like oh nobody can play defense. There's all these blowouts. It's like no. Half of these blowouts are because the team sucks at offense, sucked at offense on that. Yeah. So it's right. it's like, you know, so it's it's the yeah, sure there are some nights where a team just knows how to, you know, press the button, get the prize, open corner three goes in. There's some nights where they can't throw where, you know, uh, uh, the other team has with their defense, all right, go ahead and try to beat us from three, Spencer Dinwiddie. And you know, a night like game four where he makes shots that looks great. Three other games where else and everybody else in Dallas can't throw it in the ocean you just have a lot of you know a lot of wounded ducks flying at the rim um which again last night I mean there was some I don't know if the if the rims were mic'd differently in Miami last oh god night. no they were they were no 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 Victor Oladipo shoots a hard ball it is not soft it is That's a sort of the hard worst. the first ball. half of the I will get to it. The first half of that game was just—I mean, I loved it secretly, but oh, I did, uh, I'm not excited to talk about it. No, once I, like like, but the, how the, much the, of this Seth is open for a reason? I mean, look, think about Maxi Kleba against Utah, right? Like that was the guy they were gonna. All right, you you're gonna shoot. You're good. We're gonna leave you open, and he sticks all these shots, right? Like, I mean, that in and of itself is just one guy being the Terrence Mann you know, high variance. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, how much of it is, is that? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, the playoffs differ. In the regular season, like, right, leaving the right guy open isn't really a thing. In the playoffs, it absolutely is. Uh, the problem is, is you know, uh, leaving the right guy open means you're leaving a 34% shooter instead of a 38% shooter. And a 34% shooter can, you know, make three out of four threes, like, on a night. Re- right. Yeah, yeah, like, it's not that unusual. For, Especially for if you see the first one go in. Yeah, I, well... And not just you see the like the, it's not so much the first one go in goes in means the second one's going in it means the second one's going up, and that's and that is is kind of where those avalanches can happen. I think is, is and I, like again to get back to the Terrence Mann game. I think we've talked about this before. He misses his first two threes that game. Like Utah's leave him alone strategy looks so much different because is is like are is this guy committed to keep firing? And you gotta say like. You know, credit to you know the Reggie Bullocks and, and Max Struces of the world, like to quote to quote Spaceballs, keep firing assholes. Uh, okay, you guys want to talk Boston Miami? Yeah. All right, let's talk Boston Miami after a quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone. 
Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Dealer. Okay, uh, the Celtics lead the Eastern Conference Finals as we record this Thursday morning, three games to two, after just, I mean, some of the worst offensive basketball I have seen in my life, and, and in particular in modern times. This looked like one of those old tape delay finals when, you know, people will show like seven minutes of bricks. Uh, this, this was awful. Miami's half-court offense, which we had questions about coming into the playoffs before they had the injuries that they've got, before Bam Adebayo was getting dominated by Rob Williams. This is way worse than I even imagined, Mo. What the hell is wrong with Miami aside from the injuries? There's got to be more. I mean, sadly, there's not. You know, I want to give you, I want to give you the 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 full on X's and O's breakdown and stuff like that. But I'm watching, and I'm going like, yeah, Gabe Vincent's running your offense. It's a big drop off from Kyle Lowry when he's healthy, and he's not healthy. Like, you know, Kyle Lowry looks like a, a shadow of himself. Kyle Lowry gave you gave you everything he had in the first quarter of Game Three, and has not been able to do anything else since then for the Miami Heat. And I get it too. He's, I mean, the hamstrings. It's not easy. Um, I think. You know Jimmy Butler playing on one knee. The guy you got to look at is Bam, and and you know the 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 thing about it is, yes, Robert Williams is an unbelievable defender. Robert Williams is great as a weak side defender. Go through him, and there are plays where Bam will have an opportunity to go right through Robert Williams and go aggressively. And hey, it's a fifty fifty situation. You might block your shot. You might make it. You might get fouled. It's you know th- those are the three kind of scenarios. He's not even doing that. He's going, he sees Bam, kicks it out to Struis, goes into a pick and roll. Like, there are things about that. You are you're you just need the aggression. And Jimmy can't do much. He only's got one knee at this point. You know, like, Jimmy's struggling. He's giving you everything he can. Bam's got to be the guy to step up. And it's just sad watching this because I'm looking at him going like, dude, you're not doing anything. This is, this is what I've been saying about this series in prospect for four months is that the games are going to be a rock fight, and Boston has two guys who will 
can create and will be aggressive, even if they can't like, hold on to the ball sometimes. Um, well, one can't and, dribble. Yeah. One cannot dribble <laughs> full, at all. Full one cannot <laughs> we'll, dribble. We'll get there. It's in my notes. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. It's like, it, it, you know, justice for Bob Cousy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, listen, if Miami just had a few more plumbers out there. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but, you know, as good a player as Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are, what they are not is I'm going to go shoot 25 times every night. Like Jimmy especially will have nights where he does that, but this has been his whole career is he, he has 45 and he has 12 and 12 and 12 and 45. Like, because for so for whatever reason, that's not consistently his approach. Um, and, you know, Bam has, there's been basically one series in his career that Bam has been a willing shot creator for himself. And that's the that's the bubble finals against the Celtics when like he's going against Daniel Tice most of the time. And you know, Daniel Tice is he's a player, but Al Horford and Robert Williams are different levels of physicality to that. So this is this is a a hole in Miami's roster. And it's one I think we saw coming, even with Kyle Lowry. Like the the, the late career Kyle Lowry is not, you know, small guard late in the playoffs. I think we're ha- we're having some evidence that that's problematic. And I think this is something in a, in a larger scale all teams need to be watching. This series, this happened with Milwaukee when Chris Middleton went out. You know, who's going to be your creator in the in the half court and who's going to kind of make things happen along those lines? I feel like teams need to start th- considering and thinking, yo, we need multiple creators. We need multiple guys that can make stuff happen for us and not just one, you know, one central force. And I think that's kind of the the what we're going to slowly start to see, I think if teams that are smart get away from in the, uh, in the off season, you know, like listen, Milwaukee, you're Chris Middleton injury away. I think they beat Boston if he's healthy. Right. I think they move on and then they're probably talking about potentially going to the finals. You know, I think like when you look at Miami, they're, they, they are a piece or two away because they just don't have that engine, that guy to just go and, and get things. And I think that's the most important thing with everything that we're watching, like that's a big takeaway in the larger point I'm taking from this. But in this series, like you got to, it's not even like as good as Boston's defense is. And we know it is, it hasn't been about Boston's defense. They're not really even doing all that much. They're, they're really playing them in drop most of the time. Um, It's nothing special. I, I don't even think the effort from, from Boston has been tremendous. I mean, certainly it's good high effort basketball because that's how they play, but it's not like they're blowing the doors off of them defensively. Miami just cannot put the ball in the basket. Well, I, I think you do have to give like Boston is like schematically they're not doing anything special. But, sure, like they're they, like and the game they're is, long so they're, and they're tough is, yeah. and they yeah, and they, they cause they, problems yeah, like and they, they guard do. the ball yeah. and they guard the ball well. Like right, you know, you know there we have seen like again in some series like we've seen lesser creators be able to get places on the floor and you're not going to do that. Like Gabe Vincent is not. Gonna Boston, whereas he might against another opponent. It, it doesn't. Atlanta, who's not playing yeah. defense yeah. besides DeAndre yeah. Hunter, like, like yeah, yeah. It, it's the, like he's he's not going to do that against Marcus Smart or Derek White, where he's he might against Kevin Herter. And by the way, this series isn't over. It's three two. Like it's it's all of a sudden Jimmy finds an extra uh, bounce and, and and gets going and and all. Oh, of that Jimmy's stuff. going for forty in Game Six, right? Y- like, you know, this, like if he if he's capable of it, I don't know. Right. A lot of it's his his knee. It's it's. I know he's going to try to. He, by the way, he tried in game five. It just, his legs like didn't, <laughs> didn't cooperate. Out, yeah. You know, but it's, you know, it's, 
it's just when you watch it, it's just so clear though that there's just there's no force being played from the Heat. You know, I mean, and this is what were you gonna say, Seth? No, I think that I mean the, we saw in the first half kind of what the, like like it's not like Boston doesn't have a half where they or a game where they 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 fumble the ball and throw it all over the gym. And it's not like they don't have that in them. Like we've seen, like we've scratched. How many times have we scratched our head? And like, like again, the the opponent's best offense is sometimes Boston's offense, and we saw that in the first half, like last night, where you know Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were loose with the ball. Say. No, 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 I don't no. know what we, happened here with Jalen Brown's dribble, man. Hold on, hold on. Loose with the ball does not describe it, okay? <laughs> it was either they got a bucket, uh, an assist, or they literally just handed the ball to the Miami Heat. Loose with the ball is like, oh, oh, shoot, I lost the ball. I'm loose with the water bottle every now and then drop it. These dudes throw on just straight handing the ball sometimes, straight to the Miami Heat's defense. I watch it, and I'm just like, God damn. Every time Jalen Brown dribbles, Miami has a guy on him reaching. I mean, they are just, I mean, they are swatting at the ball. That's how loose his handle has gotten. And I thought, this, you know, this was something that was an issue early in his career. It was, to me, it was one of the big limiters was that his handle was loose and it, he just didn't have much of one. I felt like the last couple of years, he had really tightened it up and gotten gotten more compact and more, uh, I just say, uh, better at, at making fast decisions with the dribble. Right, so he knew you knew where he was going, and now every time you see him play around a little bit with the dribble, Miami's jumping out, and, and he's just losing the ball. Anytime he's in traffic, he's losing the ball. So I think I think we do like this. Isn't it's been the same for for all the teams involved? But I mean, I think that part of it is the physicality of the playoffs. Like that looseness kind of sneaks back in when you can ride it, you can have a hand right. on the guy's head, maybe get your hand on the on his, his offhand stuff like that. And I think, you know, both Milwaukee and Miami are pretty physical defensively, and they have played that way. And I think that, that okay, maybe it's cleaned up some, but he's he's become an effective ball handler, even if technically he's maybe still not, like, imperfect. Because he likes a high dribble, and, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily protect the dribble that well. So if guys are getting into him and you're allowed to get into him, yeah, it's going to be hard for him to, you know, be secure with the ball. I mean... Th- that's going to be a big thing for them, right? Like it's not just, and it, and we're harping on Brown. It's also Tatum, right? The two of them combined for nine of the 15 turnovers for the Boston Celtics. Now they did a great job in the second half, cut down on the turnover significantly. And lo and behold, they started being able to get out of transition, make shots, get more opportunities. It, it, it made a big difference in that respect there for what they did in the second half. But that's going to be the thing to watch for with this team. Like that's a real weak point. Cause I don't think that changes. And it's, it hasn't been necessarily just Miami's defense as much as them just kind of not being able to handle the, the physicality of it all. So I, I'm glad you, you mentioned the first half, second half dichotomy, because to me, maybe, maybe this is you know hindsight 2020, but like as it was happening, like they came out of halftime and their offense was like visibly zippier. Mm-hmm. Like, First half in Boston can do this, and sometimes it's 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 you know the fumbling the ball, it's the the tendency of Brown and Tatum and Smart as well to kind of pound it a little bit. Um, but the second half, like the first, like I think their second play was transition, but like the first three plays were all just like quick action, like penetrate, kick, drive, kick, kick, open shot, and you know like I don't know if it's something that was said at halftime or they just 
focused or something, but it was like two minutes into the second half. It was like, oh, Boston is okay. This is different than they did in the first half. I mean, they well, have Jalen Brown in particular, I, I thought was more, uh, it, it was like he was getting more catch and shoot opportunities, right? Moving when the ball, when he didn't have the ball in his hands, not trying to just attack off the dribble. And, and really like, I mean, he hit a, those big threes and they were backbreakers because Miami could just could not score. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, the thing about the Celtics offense is sometimes we fall into this trap of like when Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are going really well into their one-on-one stuff and scoring, we're like, yeah, their offense is great, but it's like, yo, you're heavily dependent on these two guys. Their offense is at its best when it is flying around the court, is moving the ball around, and those guys get off the ball quickly, get it back, and things like that. Leads to those catch-and-shoot opportunities that you're referring to, Dave, and, and other opportunities. But there was a key like just start of the third quarter play from Udoka, right? Where he clears out the weak side and I mistakenly called it a, a Spain, but it wasn't, it was just a back pick for Horford. Cause they knew they were going to get a switch and they just threw it over the top for Horford to get a bucket. It was, you know, some of that was also Udoka going like, all right, let's get into some actions and sets and things like that and take advantage of the Miami defense. Cause this is the other aspect that we haven't talked about much in this series is, Yudoka has outcoached Spolster, in my opinion. Like the sets he's they're running good. and the way they're attacking and going at things, I think he's done a much much better job than 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 Spolster. Some of it is Spolster's limited. I'm not trying to trash Spolster, but it's I feel like they made points like like you said, Seth, coming out of halftime, we have to do this stuff better. And they did. They got out in transition much quicker. We're flying up the court. I felt like there was a purpose whatever he said at halftime was targeted these are the three points we need to improve on let's go do it and they did it and then they win the game i think yeah i agree with you completely um but again to reemphasize, like spo has harder choices yeah no for like i said yes yeah, yeah, like, are we limited. okay do okay like lowry's this way do i go depot do i get go caleb martin Gabe Vincent, can i play duncan is, robinson yeah like these are these are like boston's roster is a little more plug and play yeah, no. I mean, they also only played seven guys. Yeah, they're a better team, you know. And I think that's more the important thing there. You know, they're they're the better team going into this. I think we all kind of thought that, right? Like, this 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 isn't really a question. So yeah, Yudoka does get the advantage of hey, I got the better roster, you know, in, in those instances. But I still feel like just even just the play calling in general. Because I felt like a lot of Miami's offense, they got away from who they were even when they were healthier to start the series. I, I've right, been guys, here, so I've been, uh, just to, to finish up, and I think it needs some reemphasizing. Is I've been incredibly impressed with like the the situational play calling that Boston has had all playoffs. I think that like the bull, it's credit to them both. Like you know the same kind of high intelligence that they have to be able to play a very complicated defensive scheme means that they can run some really good stuff offensively you see it in their, their out of timeout plays you see it in their baseline out of bounds and i think that's that's all big credit both to the players but but you know especially yeah and Derek white getting the baby bump certainly doesn't hurt i mean he <laughs> the playing Fred so Van, the aggressively Fred memorial now. yeah yeah, uh, yeah. um great, okay great so so Thanks, game David. six what does a, a heat victory look like is it as simple mo as don't shoot 31 percent from the field make more than seven out of 45 threes no it's it's more than that they got to play faster and 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 they got to they got to push the tempo of the pace 
that they, they want. And then the other thing, too, and it's like I said in the beginning, Bam needs to be aggressive. Bam can't show up for one out of six games, right? He showed up for game three. He can't be afraid of Robert Williams. I'm sorry. This is just what it looks like to me. It's every time I watch it, even when he has matchups where he has Grant Williams on him, he doesn't go be aggressive. He needs to be a beast on every possession. Like, this is a big one for me. This is one of those things like, I'm slapping Bam in the face. Do something. Like, that's really kind of the deal. The uh, Getting Tyler Hero back will probably help, too. We have, It's funny, we haven't really mentioned him yet, and, you know, I think that says something about where where they are as a roster that, you know, like, okay, you're missing Chris Middleton. You, okay, well, I can see why that's that's devastating to our half-court attack. Like, again, Tyler Hero is... is if, He's that guy for you, then that that is an indication of perhaps some personnel issues team wide. All right. Well, I think that's enough on this series. After the break, we'll hit on Dallas Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. Okay, guys, 3-1 series lead for the Warriors after dropping game four to the Mavericks. The Mavericks hit shots in game four like we expected them to do in game three when they got home, Mo. Um the story of this series has been whether Dallas makes or misses open looks. That's the story. Yeah, it's funny. Like, you know, it's, it's, this is probably going to sound more uh, slanderous to the Warriors community here, but, you know, it's not been the Warriors defense. Everybody keeps talking about the Warriors defense. They're missing wide open threes. I mean, massive amounts. You know, I haven't checked the numbers, but last time I looked, they were getting like 28 wide open looks, 28 wide open or open looks a game. They're just so, missing them. Uh, I, if I can, if I can jump in there, like uh, this is, this is sort of, I a, throw a number in and now stat. No, 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 this is, cause this is an important distinction. Like the way that, that like NBA.com categorizes them is actually like the, the, the open, the four to six foot, like defensive range, those are actually like semi-contested shots. So calling those like they, yes, you would still expect them to make more of those, but those are kind of categorically different than the six plus feet. Like, again, it's a difference between a 34% shot and a 39% shot, like over the course of the league. So that's, that, that that doesn't, that doesn't obviate your overall point anyway. It's just, you know, no, but even, even, but even the, even the semi-contested ones, right? Like they were knocking those down at a much higher clip in the previous two series, right? Like, it's just a weird, I don't want it. I know people, again, are going to be upset because I'm taking stuff away from the, the Warriors run here. It hasn't been the Warriors defense. It's been very impressive to me, right? Like, yeah, they've done a good job on Luka early in game one. You know, he's beginning to find his groove here a little bit in attacking. But it doesn't matter if Reggie Bullock's going to go 0 for 1,000. It doesn't matter if Maxi Kleba's going to miss five shots and then be afraid to shoot after that. Like, those are, and those are clean looks. I think those are the things that, for me, I, this is more the make or miss series than anything else. Like, this is one where they got great looks. Like, I watch it, and I do radio hits and all this stuff, and what do the Mavs need to do? I said, make shots? Because they get in what they they want offensively. Defensively, whole other issue for the Mavs. <laughs> but offensively, they're getting the looks they want. Like, I don't know if it's a, um, I don't know what else to really say about it. Yeah, I, I listen. Um, I expected them to shoot like they did in Game Four, in Game Three, like the first game at home, and, and I thought that this this series should actually be more competitive. Mo, I like, I think we agree here. It, it should be maybe two two, 
I mean, they blew game two for sure. And that was, and that was a mistake of, you know, I plug a, a one more thing video. They went from targeting Steph Curry to targeting Kavon Looney, who's freaking turned into an all NBA type center in this series with that. But he did a great job staying down one-on-one and, 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 and locking up and, and, and really doing a, just holding the fourth down in that in game two. I mean, they blew game two with just incredibly bad decisions offensively and gave a massive lead. But yeah, I still feel like it's, it's, it, it should have been a closer series than it is. We obviously don't know what's going to happen today, but I still feel like, man, like the Mavs had a better chance of making this more competitive. I want, yeah, I I do think we do we should give De- uh, Golden State's defense a little bit more credit. No, than 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 we're doing. Like, <laughs> well, they've cut off. No, because no, cut off this, the no, this, no, this, 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 so this is I'm like you know what you're saying like matches what I've what, what my mind's eye has been. So I went uh, so while you were talking about it, I was like I wonder what the, the and it's actually they they the first three games of the series they shot basically thirty four percent on open threes, and that's like that's that's below average, but not like god awful. They shot now 41 before the, the yes. series began. Yeah. Yeah. No, they, they, they shot like 41 and a half in the first two series. So that, that is, a, that is definitely a difference, but I, but yeah, but it's not like they're, you know, shooting 25% on open threes. Hey, go look at just the game one numbers. Cause it was, I watched, it was, listen, I, I wrote I watched all the film. tape. I've watched the film, right? I watched every three pointer from game one. The, the first quarter alone, there was like 12 that I was, okay, this one should be canned. That they didn't. I mean, this is. I, I'm with Mo on this, Seth. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think the Warriors' defense. Not that Take they've that been bad. Guy. I just don't think that they've been <laughs> uh, as disruptive as they can be. They, they've done a good job around the basket, and uh, Kavon Looney has been a revelation. He looks like he did a few years ago uh, in the Houston series. You know, when he gets switched out on Luka, it's very similar to the way he guarded James Harden. You know, he uses, he uses his chest, gets in front of him, stay, he's got great feet, he doesn't gamble. You know, he's not the sort of guy that that you're going to be able to take advantage of on a switch because he won't gamble. And so I, I'm, I'm with Mo. I think that if the Mavericks go back to attacking the smaller guards for, for the Warriors, that's their best offense. No, I don't. I, I again, I'm not. This is my 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 disagreement is, is sort of it's it's more of a a balance rather than a complete disagreement because I think I do think that the balance is more like Dallas isn't shooting well, but there's like Golden State has also defended well. They're just not like again, they just haven't been like locked down. They've just been good and lucky. Okay, so what can they what can they do, Mo, to take away the looks because. Ultimately, I mean, Dallas is going to hit them at some point. I mean, we saw it in game four. No reason they couldn't do it again in game five. I mean, I'm not saying that Dallas has a, a legitimate chance to come back from down 3-0. But I, if they were going to, it's going to be because they shoot the lights out for the next few games. So how does how do the Warriors stop them from getting those looks? I think part of it, too, and I think the big thing in game four, besides them just making shots, was the, the Mavs played quicker. They got into their screen and roll quicker to get the switch and go matchup hunting, right? And the thing basically is they would get the switch with 13 seconds on the shot clock, and that would give the ball handler plenty of time to work Curry a little bit, back him down, whatever it is, and things like that. I think those are the things. So for the the Warriors, it's slow them down, right? Get them slower. 
Curry, who does a great job when teams are trying to switch, showing and making them delaying it so long that it's so deep into the clock that it makes it difficult for them to work it down. And I think that's the important thing. And when you get the switch, I think you just got to come immediately. Just go. I know you're going to give up an open look off of that, but make it a difficult pass. Make it harder for that guy to, to, to find him. Come immediately, kind of similar to the way the Mavs do when Luka gets switched, is they send that double pretty quick. And I think that's something that you might want to do more often when your smalls get matched up on them. Seth, um, you want to talk at all about the Warriors' young guys coming in and making a fake comeback? I mean, it was a real comeback for them, but is this yeah. is this just one of those things where it's like, all right, uh, this is fake? Or, or did they kind of figure something out uh, against the Mavs uh, at the end there? Uh, no, I think it's fake. <laughs> you know, no, it's like you know, um, we, um, you know, is 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 Uncle Mo real? I don't think so. Like, I'm real. No, not, no, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Cha ching. Um, no, I think. I mean, I think that you know, that uh, I think a, a big problem for Golden State is their offense. Not a big problem, but but I think if they. If they if they kind of fix their own offense, if they're able to, and some of it is obviously predicated if their defense is if if Dallas is making a lot of shots, Golden State's not going to get out in transition. But like Golden State also has to, you know, they have a little bit of not to nearly the same degree, but they have a little bit of the the uh, playing around with the ball thing that Boston does. Um, and you know, if they can avoid that and just you know get it get into their stuff, get good looks, that I think that you know, their talent will, whether Dallas makes shots or not. I think it's, it's yes, you would like the defense to be better, but if we play a good offensive game, it doesn't matter. I, I mean, the thing too is they're getting to the rim at will. Like they're not even really doing this with three-point shooting. It's, it's just attacking the paint over and over again, and it's everybody. Everybody's getting to the rim with ease, and I think that's the most important thing for the, uh, excuse me, for the Warriors. Keep attacking the paint. Just keep going. You'll find that they'll they'll pull in. Then you'll find the kickouts and things like that, and the curry relocations and things like everything that goes along with it. But just keep attacking the paint because that's been your bread and butter right now this series. And the Mavs defense ain't going to stop you. Yeah, what's going on with the Mavs defense? I mean, Dorian Finney-Smith and and Reggie Bullock have to me been they were solid all season long. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith is sort of the secret to the sauce of that small ball defensive lineup that they can run out there when he plays the five. And, and I don't think that they've done as good of a job as we expected against the Warriors. I actually thought this was going to be a decent matchup just given how much, I guess the, the flexibility that Dallas is, is allowed to play with defensively. And I, think, I don't think they've done well at all. It's somewhat that it's also, it's just a very different challenge. Like, you know, you can like, you know, Bullock and, and Finney Smith, their what, what their defensive strengths are kind of like positional size and, um, you know, and against guys who are deliberate and precise the way that Paul and Booker are, it's one thing. But now if you're doing that against, you know, guys who are a little more shifty, a little quicker, a little like do, do th- a little more improvisational, like the Curry and to a degree Jordan Poole, I think that's a different challenge. And now that sort of that 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 length is maybe I don't want to say neutralized, but it's less of a factor against that style, that more movement based style of offense. Than it was in, in sort of the the, the technician style that, that Phoenix uses. I I it's everything Seth said. It's a totally different deal. 
right? And like you could see, I posted a clip yesterday of Jalen Brunson letting up when Curry gave up a pass, which is a no-no, right? As soon as Curry gives up a pass, you got to get back into Curry's body. It's a straight, it's the first three steps out of that. He's going to run right off, and he got a three on that play. It was in the first quarter of the game. Um, it's That's not something you got to worry about when you play the, the, the Phoenix Suns, right? Like, Chris Paul wasn't doing that. Devin Booker wasn't doing that. And they, they weren't getting those opportunities and things like that. I think it's it, it's it presents an entirely different matchup. And this is the challenge with the Warriors is they don't have plays. They have actions that are just kind of put out there. I used to hate having to scout them. Mo, what's their play? What's the play design? Like, okay, well, they do this. They do that. They do that. What's the play call? They don't call it, coach. It just happens. The ball goes in the post. We know a post split's coming. Got to figure out how to defend that. You know, like there's just a million different things right. with that. The play call is Draymond raised his left eyebrow to tell Steph <laughs> yeah, which way to go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just, and it's genius in what they're doing. And that's part of what makes their offense. It takes a while for some guys to figure out because it's not so always looking for a play call or things like that. Listen, they do have plays. They do run stuff out of timeouts and everything like that, but they don't have, it's not just straight set system. We're running horns and that's that. We're going to run horns five times. Boom. It's literally like we're just going to play. It's it's it's. I hate saying this because it's so freaking overused, but it's jazz, right? It's literally just go in there. They're going to improvise and they're going to figure that stuff out. And that's why it's challenging for some guys that come into the team, you know, early on trying to figure out how do I play jazz, you know, and. I think that's also what makes it so damn hard to defend. When all guys are aware of it, have the IQ, and are on the same page, good luck. And I think that that last point you made is important because it, uh, and this is not an original point to me at all, is like the the craziness with the ball is sort of built into their system. Is you're gonna if you're you're improvising, you're gonna hit some wrong notes, and then having the other guys who are able to, you know, when we talk about jazz, we're talking about the improvisation, but really. The other part of it is, all right, I'm I'm soloing. The other the other guys in the group have to watch me and and play along and have it make sense. And that's hard for you know, it's a Kelly Kelly Oubre, for example, in a defined role, has been a pretty good player. In in a system where he's got to read, react, and and do all that, he struggled. And I think that's that that's what you're talking about. Is you need a you need a a type of player who can function in an improvisational system. Yeah, playmakers, not plays. And the Warriors kind of have this syncopated offense, right? Like they hit on the the offbeats so often, and you never know where it's coming from. Well, that seems like a pretty good place to wrap it up. Uh, no more. Again, I, I think that these series are going to be won by the teams that hit the most shots. And I know that that's a funny thing to say, but I also make think, or miss league. I also think the team that scores the most points We'll win a game. Let's, so take that's, to, let, let's take it to the judges. No, wait, that's, that's a different sport. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I fully expect it to be Boston and Golden State next week. I, I don't know about you guys. Um, I, I just don't. I, unfortunately, I think Miami's health is just going to limit their their effectiveness to, to win two games in a row. That's the hard part here for Miami. And if the Warriors somehow blow a 3-0 lead, um, I, I'm not even sure what we would do here. Oh, the internet would break. No, it would be all over. Content would be done. The internet would be completely uh, broken. We wouldn't have anything else. It would just be uh, chaos. 
and I kind of yeah. want to see the chaos. I mean, listen, I, I'm I'm not going to say I'm rooting for it because I would some, never. Some men just want to watch the world burn and Mo is that man. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, and then rebuild it back up. Let me be Thanos. Let me get the. There you go. The, if I can only knew, if I only knew how to snap. Where, where's That's Bruce with his? Where, where's my joker. son with his uh, with his with his iron gauntlet? Be able to have all the. <laughs> all right. All right. Back to several weeks ago. There you go. Yeah. That's gonna do it for this week, folks. For Seth and Mo, I'm Dave. Thanks for listening to Nerder. She wrote on the Athletic NBA Show. baseball fans this is Derek Van Riper now that spring training games are underway opening day is just a few weeks away Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on rates and barrels whether you're a seasoned fantasy player a baseball stats junkie or just someone who wants to learn more about the game join us for four episodes each week this season including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May check out the live stream on Fridays at one o'clock eastern on the rates and barrels YouTube channel or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.